Hello and welcome back to Talking Talmud. I'm one of your hosts, Jordana Osban, here with my friend Chavruta Ann Gordon. Our daf today, Masachat Sota, daf mem page 40. Well, we're getting into our home stretch of Masachat Sota. Uh, we are going to have our Siyam on May 21st. A little bit of a different start time. It's going to be 9 a.m. East Coast time um, and 4 p.m. in Israel. Um, so, uh, please stay tuned. We'll have some sign up information shortly for you. Uh, I'm going to go over a couple things, uh, that take place before we get to our new Mishnah. Anne's going to handle our new Mishnah. Uh, and there's two things I want to point out. The first is, is that the DAF spent some time discussing, uh, basically, um, uh, you know, some of the practices that took place, uh, in the, uh, Beit HaMikdash, and there are two that I want to point out. The first is, is that we were talking about these psukim that were said uh, with Berchat Kohanim, and there's a machloket, essentially, Heichan Omrim, how were they said? This is at the top of the daf, Rav Yosef Amar, Ben Kol Bracha Ubracha, Rav Sheshet Amar, Bahazkarat Hashem. So Rav Yosef said that they were said between each blessing, okay? And Rav Sheshet said they were during the mention of God's name in each of the three blessings, right? The congregation would add these additional verses that they would sort of meditate on or say uh, while, you know, the Bercha Kohanim was said. And then the other disagreement is Pligi Ba Rav Mari Rav Zvid. So Rav Mari and Rav Zvid have a disagreement. Chadamar Psuka Lekava Psuka V'chadamar Achol Psuka Amr Luhulahula. That in other words, each verse, there were generally three verses that were said for different holidays during the uh, during the Berchat Kohanim, right? So we saw that. So you would say, you know, the first pasuk of Berchat Kohanim, and then you would the congregation would say the verse. Or one opinion is is no, you would say that verse of Berchat Kohanim, let's say the first one, and then you would say all three of those pasukim. So it's interesting to see that there's sort of these two machla code here about how exactly this practice was done. Now this is not something that is universally done today at all. This is something that sort of seems to not be done anymore. Uh, you do see in Sidurim, there are sometimes some prayers that people say uh, while Berkat Kohanim is said, but this practice of the Psukim is not done. Um, but it's interesting to see, you know, sort of, you know, again, they're they're arguing this in, um, you know, they're arguing this in, in Bavel uh, and, uh, you know, sort of trying to tease out what exactly was the proper custom um, of how to say this, right? Do you say the verses, you know, between each, you know, verse? Do you, you say each pasuk or do you split the pasukim in a variety of different ways? Um, and the last thing that I want to point out is right before the Mishnah, um, they give us one other b'risa here, Tanu Rabbanan, minayin she'en onin amen b'mikdash, that amen was not said, said in the Beit HaMikdash. So they quote a pasuk from Nehemiah, chapter 9, verse 5, that says, stand up and bless the Lord your God from everlasting to everlasting. And that this is the pasuk that actually was said instead of the temple, Okay. Um, and what's inter and then it goes on to say minayin shall kol bracha bracha tehila, right? And from where do we know that for each and every you know blessing that was said, right? That this was the praise, this was the pasuk that people said afterwards instead of saying amen. But shenemar vayivrachu shem kavodecha umarom al bracha tehila. 
Because, and let them say, again, this is quoting also the same Pasuk, the second half of this Pasuk in Nehemiah, right? Blessed be your glorious name, which is exalted above all blessing and praise. Al kobracha bracha tain lo tehila. So you're supposed to say tehila, right? This type of praise. Um, and what is this tehila, okay? Is this, you know, Pasuk of kumu brachu et Hashem elokecha min haolam ad haolam, but not amen. Now, what I found fascinating about this, and I could not find anything on this, is, is that Nehemiah is second temple period, right? What was done in the first temple period? Was Amin said? Was Amin not said? So I, I don't know. I, I thought that was like an interesting thing. So I just want to put it in a historical context that they're telling us something, a practice that was done in the second temple but I would think from a chronological point of view, this pasuk wasn't uttered right until second temple time, what was done in the first temple time. Um, and then the last thing I want to do is just a very quick who's who. There's a series of stories here about a Rabbi Abahu, a Rabbi Abahu, who is a, um, you know, third, we're in the Talmud Bavli, um, but he is a third generation, um, uh, uh, you know, uh, Amora, um, but he basically lives in, like uh, Israel, Syria. Uh, he's not a Babylonian Amora. Um, his teacher is Rabbi Yochanan, which is also interesting. Um, and there are many stories and information about him in the Gemara. Uh, he primarily lived in Caesarea, but he wasn't only in Caesarea. Um, but these, this is like a very, very famous passage about him and his relationship with Chia Bar Abba, uh, with Rav Chia Bar Abba, and sort of that, you know, he had this, uh, was known for this character trait. Of uh of being humble and a particularly you know when the the text talks about here how people went to talk to him after he gave this drasha and they didn't cry after Rabbi Chia uh, Bar Abba and how he sort of uh how he tries to sort of um comfort him um so and he also was in Tiberia so uh sorry he sent he he had a couple of sons he had uh, sons Zera and Chanina um and so uh, he just is an important Amora to know about. And this is like a particularly uh, important story um, to know about him. So uh, just pay close attention to that as well. Thank you for that, Yordina. I feel like we haven't had a who's who in quite some time. Um, I'm going to go on to the Mishnah. The new Mishnah is talking still about Berkat Kohenim, but in this case, specifically about the brachot, the blessings of the Kohen Gadol, the high priest. And th- that kind of boils down to his role and or the, the, a, a, an interest in his role on Yom Kippur. Now, just to keep in mind that, you know, what the Mishnah says is one thing, and then there's also, you know, the understanding of exactly how this um, process would kind of unfurl. Let's see the text of the Mishnah first and make sure that we don't have anything to add. I mean, the Mishnah, of course, talk about this, but still, let's see from the primary source. How did it work that the Kohen Gadol came and, you know, made his blessings? Chazana Knesset Notelsi for Torah. So the Chazan HaKnesset. Now, Chazan in modern Hebrew or modern shuls is usually understood to be the cantor, right? The the person who's providing the musical interludes of the synagogue service. In this case, Chazana Knesset seems to be the the person who's attending all of the like basic matters that take place during this same service and other things, obviously, right? So for in this case, the Chazana Knesset would take the Sefer Torah, you take the Torah scroll of note, Nalo Larosha Knesset, you would give it to the head of the Knesset. Head, the head of the Knesset really means here, like 
the synagogue where everybody's coming together. It doesn't mean the like the Israeli modern Knesset that goes without saying. So now the head gives it to the next in charge, the deputy. Meaning, and now the the skan, um, high priest is going to give. Wait, did I say this right? The skan. Yeah, he gives it to the Skan Kohen Gadol, and then the Skan Kohen Gadol gives it to, in fact, the Kohen Gadol. So there's a certain amount of pomp and ceremony, um, but there's also a certain amount of, like, let's make sure that we keep it, keep track of who gets the most honor in what order. So now what happens is the Kohen Gadol Omid, so now he's got the Sefer Torah, the Kohen Gadol, and he stands up, and he stands up, but he's going to read, right? He's reading from the Torah scroll, and he begins with the verse in Vayikra, Vayikra Tedvav, where it says, Achremot. Now we know this because it's the beginning of the Parsha, right? Achremot This is the beginning of the uh, follow-up or fallout, you know, exactly what happens after the deaths of Nadav and Avihu, the sons of Aaron, on the, on the altar. Va'achbasur. And then it goes on to note, right, if you're going to say um, after the deaths, so then we also have here, also, or similarly, or but on the tenth, right? But on the that's these are the the verses that introduce the passages that we are going to care the most about, or what are most relevant for the Kohen Gadol's blessings. So what happens? After all this procedure of getting the the scroll to him, he stands up and he reads this. He rolls it up again and puts it in his I don't know, like I feel like it's in his breast pocket. That's the, that's the implication of this term, right? Close to him, near his heart. So he says, more than what I've read here, what I've read now, it's written here, it's written in this scroll. And then he would read off by heart the part that says, right, which presumably he's also already just read, namely, and likewise, it says, the... um, the pikudim, the clerks, I guess. That's not the right t- translation here. But the the people would read this off, you know, from, by heart, um, which we've talked about before being a complicated situation when you're talking about reading biblical verses. In any case, the mission goes on. The Kohen Gadol, after he reads, he has the following eight blessings. So first he says on the Torah itself, one on the avoda, the the temple service, the alha hodaya, the on being grateful or thanksgiving, machilata avon, and and the um, separation of a person from sin, the alhamikdash, and also about the temple, the al Yisrael, also about the Jewish people, the al kohanim, also about the kohen, about Yerushalayim, about Jerusalem, and the rest of prayer. Meaning, the kohen gadol's. He, when he stands up and he recites, he, you know, reads the Torah and he reads these couple of passages, what he does kind of basically immediately afterwards is recite these eight blessings. And these eight blessings, I, I don't know exactly the, 
the rationale here, and I'm not sure to what extent we would find something that's really satisfactory, but I feel like what's happening is that in in reciting these blessings, I feel like the Kohen Gadol has to kind of bring himself down to earth again, meaning this is the things, these are the things that we do, this is how we live. There's a blessing about the Torah and the, of, and the service and the, you know, being grateful and forgiving sin, and it just seems to me that we're talking here about um, you know, the basic gist of Jewish life and the rest of prayer, meaning like to the extent that if you don't have anything left, you definitely have prayer. Um, that's a little bit further afield, right? I know that that's speculative, but there's something in the tone here that shifts from here's the reading and these blessings that come afterwards, which the Kohen Gadol himself is supposed to recite those blessings. Um, okay, I'm going to stop here. The Gemara obviously picks this up, and we will continue tomorrow. That's our DAF discussion for the day. Thank you for joining us. Rank us, review us where you get your podcasts. Come talk to us on our Facebook page and tell us where you think of this stuff. Thank you to Rabbanit Michelle Farber for hosting us on the Hadron website. And until tomorrow, go and learn. 